Hey, welcome to this edition of Coffee Break with the Councils. I am with a very special guest today. I'm with Ryan Walsh, who's the Chief Channel Officer at Pax8, who just so happens to be one of the co-chairs of the CompTIA Channel Advisory Board. We recently met in Denver for a working meeting with all our advisory councils, and the Channel Advisory Board talked a lot about uh, channel readiness. They wanted to build a channel readiness assessment, kind of a checklist, and we started to discuss, you know, what is the channel? Why would you want to enter the channel? Um, what are some of the benefits and the pitfalls? There's a lot to consider. But one interesting thing that came up was what not to do, right? So um, we figured this would make a good podcast. And uh, Ryan, uh, well, why don't we start talking about what not to do? Yeah, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate this uh, time to be on the podcast. And What's interesting about the topic is that we had quite a few people from the industry representing uh, vendors, um, channel partners, um, uh, you know, IT um, solution providers, and uh, and distributors. And what was interesting as we were building that list, as you were referencing uh, about what should be on that checklist, we had a lot of war stories and scar tissue, quite honestly, around those that said, you know, this is what I learned. Um, and what I didn't know, and if I had a checklist like that, it really would have helped. So we had quite a few people, and myself included, because I, I worked for a born-in-the-cloud uh, vendor where we made a ton of mistakes. And so I can say that this what-not-to-do list, um, some of it we did. And so it's, it's not, just, uh, uh, not just something that came out of our conversation, but I think a bunch of people lived it. So when we were talking about this topic, uh, we had a lot of nods and saying, oh, yeah, I made that mistake or I wish I had known this. We thought, you know what, let's just share what those mistakes were so that if others are thinking about getting into the channel, um, that they would have sort of a cheat sheet on, um, on what we learned. So a lot of it was just trial by fire, really, uh, you know, and, and learning yeah. mistakes. Well, I, so what, what we did was we thought about it in the context of uh, a top 10 list. And one of the first things on that list, and I, this was one that uh, I recall going through this thought process, was assuming that end customers will buy direct. They'll go to an online storefront, they'll go straight to a commerce uh, marketplace, and the channel will be disintermediated. Now, there could be examples of that, but uh, by way of context, we're talking about products that are um, cloud-based. So, you know, if you can just turn them on, why would you need the channel to do that? We learned this the hard way that assuming that end customers would buy direct um, was false. They didn't. We put up a marketplace and nobody showed up. And I think that has to do with the fact that we had a product that required some configuration or setup of a policy. And so when you think about that, there's certainly some products where you're like, you know, like an app, just go to the marketplace, download it and get it. But in today's environment, and in particular, if you're dealing with small, medium-sized businesses that don't have in-house IT, how to set it up, how to configure it, what policy put it in place, that would keep somebody from going to an online marketplace. So lesson learned, if you're, um, you know, if you're going into the uh, uh, channel, um, assuming that customers buy direct is, is a falsehood, at least that we experienced. The second one that, and I'm just, these are in no particular order because, um, you know, we just sort of stream of consciousness went through and said, oh yeah, make sure you do that. 
One of them you and I were just talking about is, is your product ready? Um, the um, second thing on this list is you don't have a management console, assuming that a channel partner is managing this on behalf of multiple customers. We would refer to that as the multi-tenant management console. And I've had experiences where we've introduced channel partners to a product of a vendor and they love the product, but then when the vendor asked, well, uh, can you start selling this right away? They said, absolutely not, because you don't have a management console. Um, you don't have a way for us to manage multiple customers from one uh, console to make it easy to administer. So if you're, that's a mistake. If you, if you wanted to sell a product, if you're a vendor into the channel and you don't have a management console, you're not going to have the adoption that you think you might uh, because of that. A lot of it's just kind of, uh, hey, are you ready as a vendor to be in the channel, right? Um, and and right. when you think about the checklist, a lot of it's, you know, people aren't as prepared as they should be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing when you think about the channel that's on our list is, you know, number three is no trials. Um, a trial, especially when you're dealing with a cloud-based product, is an awesome opportunity for a partner to understand how this product works before they put it out to their customer base. And so um, a not to do is um, make sure that you are you making a, a trial available to a channel partner. And if you're not, that could be a mistake because again, this gets in the way to selling the product that you want into the channel. Checking these off my list, my friend. All right. Another one is um, posting prices online. So in, in, uh, in a channel environment, so many channel partners are offering their service as a managed service. And in those cases, they might bundle their services in with a vendor's product into that suite. And so, and in many cases, some best practice vendors who recognize this, they give the partner the freedom to charge what they want uh, for their products. So in many cases, you don't want to post the partner buy rate on your website because that would keep the partner from having flexibility to price it differently based on their market or roll it into their services without getting challenged by an end customer. So if you are thinking about posting partner prices, you know, best practice would suggest you don't do that. Another one, and I think you can uh, speak to this um, from your experience, Chris, is um, for those that are trying to enter into a channel community, uh, to have expectations that you'll just jump in, turn it on, and sales start going through the roof. This notion of, hey, we tried it, and then you know it didn't yield the results that we wanted, and we left. I think that really speaks, that's a mistake. Uh, that's a what not to do, because the channel is all about trust. And again, this is uh, an experience that I had as, um, you know, running a product for a, a vendor is there was this sense as soon as we went out to a channel event or an industry event, you know, one of those could be like channel con. You show up, the channel community wants to make sure they can trust you, want to make sure that you're in it for the long haul. So you might not see sales right away because you need to establish trust. Anybody who thinks that they're just going to jump into the channel and sales just turn on is missing a key component, which is establishing the trust and the consistent message that the channel needs to see that you're committed to them. And, um, and so that's a mistake if you come in thinking that, you know, I'll just turn this spigot on and um, I will be immediately trusted, even if you have a great product and a brand. 
you need to send the message to the channel community that you're there and you're committed to um, that go to market. You know, it's interesting. There's two parts of that that I think about, right? So you mentioned consistency and being visible, right? So we would often see people that might show up and then leave and just, you know, make a splash, have expectations of I'm going to sell all this product. And then when it doesn't happen in three months or six months, they don't, they're not at the next show. They're not, you, you know, where was that vendor? Um, so that's one piece. And then the other piece is just that ramp period, right? Uh, the average industry says somewhere around 18 months to become kind of functioning as a partner. So you've got to give it time and you've got to be there. Um, and that's just some two things that um, solution providers see through and understand quite quickly, you know, that it's going to take some time. I can tell you that you mentioned that 18 months. That was absolutely my experience. It wasn't that we weren't selling um, our product. It just, it really kicked in and really was the progression that the most vendors wanted is after that 18 month period where you have demonstrated that consistency and the fact that you're committed to the channel, then the channel rewarded with knowing what your product is, knowing that you're going to be there, embracing you and then growing. And that was pretty cool. Another sort of, there's a, this is an offshoot to this. We spent a lot of time in the cab talking about this, which is the notion that your organization, if you're a vendor, is ready to deal with the channel, especially if you came from a position of selling direct, direct to a customer. If you have not considered how you can work with um, selling to channel partners and what the compensation is for a sales rep, you need to think about that because you might be introducing conflict. And if you do that, um, you may not get the traction that you want. Conflict was huge in the meeting and we, you know, it's always a big topic when you're talking about the channel and, and you, you've got to have that plan in place before you, uh, uh, you know, enter in. Yeah, there's just a few more things on the list. I'll just run through this pretty quickly, Chris, just to put them out there. And, you know, we are going to be producing um, with CompTIA and the channel advisory board an extensive checklist that if, if anyone who's listening wants to get more into how do I do this right? What does it entail? Um, regardless of the position you're coming from, we'll have some uh, stuff to, to, to share. But the, the, the rest of my list, one would um, talk about the power of the integrations into a partner's ecosystem of business applications. That's a big deal. And so if you're not talking about um, APIs or integrations into those business applications, you may not get the adoption that you want. That was a mistake that uh, that many made if it, you know didn't consider how important that was. Long-term commitments. Many vendors want long-term commitments. What we're seeing in the marketplace is, um, you know, turn on, buy what you want, when you want, monthly terms or less. That's another um, what not to do. Don't assume that long-term commitments is, you know, what, uh, what the channel wants uh, when you're selling cloud-based products. Another one is, and I think this is, the, the last two are really sort of bigger points is for those that ask themselves, and we talked a lot about this in the meeting as well, which is, do you, why are you interested in the channel? And I think the, this what not to do is don't ignore the scale and reach of a channel ecosystem to help reach end customers. This was probably the biggest thing, and we even redefined what the channel means with this definition in mind, um, that that the channel really does refer to intermediaries that provide product services or influences on behalf of a vendor to an end customer. 
And that scale and reach is what I believe is so powerful about the channel. Um, to not understand that is something that you want to uh, you, you want to make sure you um, avoid that. And the last thing is just to to assume that the channel is dead and adds no value. I think when you're looking at where the puck's going with new products, um, if you think that um, an intermediary is not required, what we're saying that's a mistake. At least coming from a vendor who thought maybe I should just let my customer order it online. The value that can be provided in terms of service enablement, selling enablement, support enablement, even billing aggregation is what the channel is providing. And that's being provided by channel partners and distributors alike. So that's that's the last uh, thing on the list of what not to do is don't miss that uh, that false assumption. So it's really the last thing is um, don't miss the channel. Right. So don't don't assume yeah. that the channel is not going to provide you some kind of value. Um, so Ryan mentioned that, you know, a lot of this work we're going to be publishing over the next few months. Um, you can always go to comptia.org slash councils for more information about the output that the advisory councils do. Um, so Ryan, I want to just take this time. Hey, thank you for, um, leading the cab. It was a great meeting and, um, I really appreciate your leadership. Um, any final thoughts? Yeah. One final thought that I'd say, just building on that last point that you made. Uh, because we've had this conversation quite a bit where we're we're talking about the channel and its relevance. And I will tell people if they don't know this about CompTIA, to put this in perspective, CompTIA has, it has formed additional advisory boards with advanced technologies. And you may assume as technology advances, the, the channel may not be required. We're talking about IoT, blockchain, artificial intelligence. There's so many cool new technologies coming out and CompTIA is forming um, advisory boards around it. But I can say from the CAB's perspective, the channel advisory board's perspective, that every one of those councils is talking about these, the, the channel helping this new technology get out to the market. And so for anybody who thought, yeah, maybe it's time has come and gone, I, I'm here to tell you that that's not the case based on what we're seeing with the CompTIA groups. Totally agree. I mean, when you think about, you know, that these people have the same challenges um, that, you know, traditional IT people do. And, you know, if you're talking about drones to smart cities to, uh, you know, uh, business applications, everybody's trying to figure out the channel. So, Ryan, I want to thank you. Um, uh, you can find all of our podcasts on all the usual places like iTunes, uh, the Google Play Store, and our own platform, um, Blueberry, which we use. Um, again, thank you so much. And Ryan, thank you for all your work. You're welcome, Chris. A pleasure to be on with you today.